Hey, welcome to the Recruiting Trail. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick, the Oregonian in Oregon Live, bringing you the latest in recruiting for the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School Athletics. Oregon State hosted one of their best visit weekends ever last week. How did that go? We'll get to that in this episode. And the Oregon Ducks are set to host a pretty impressive list of visitors. It's not extremely long this weekend, but it is extremely impactful and extremely vital for the 2022 class rankings. Some big time names, some marquee names, and definitely a couple of players that if they were to commit would immediately become the class headliner. Oregon State starts this thing off though last weekend hosting a big visitor list, an impressive visitor list. And Oregon State's theory is always kind of the same. They have these big visit weekends, but they also bring in some committed prospects. And and some of that is is for peer recruiting. So Travis Throckmorton, the quarterback commit in the class of 2022, was on hand. And Cooper Jensen from Glacier Peak High School, the class of 2023 prospect, also on hand for this visit. Um, those guys really were there primarily as peer recruiters and to check things out themselves. Rockmorton's already locked in. He's not coming until summer, so no early enrollment there, but he had a good time on his visit, really enjoyed himself. I really like him as a prospect. I think raw talent, you know, Greg Biggin said this, it certainly shows up on film, especially this season and, and towards the end of summer in terms of some of his training videos. He's the most raw talent, the toolsiest quarterback Oregon State has gotten in the last three or four years, certainly in the Jonathan Smith era. So definitely an exciting player to keep an eye on. And then Cooper Jensen had a chance to talk with him after his visit. And it's always interesting to kind of see how guys are treated, uh, not only as when they first are targets, but how that relationship kind of evolves into becoming a commit and and how the relationship with the coaches changes, how their comfortability with the program changes. And really what you want to see is what happened with Cooper Jensen. Again, the number 24 tight end in the country for the class of 2023, the earliest commitment for Oregon State in several years. He can't sign uh, a binding national letter of intent for almost a full year. So Really what you want to see is what Cooper Jensen experienced. He went from, he committed in mid-October and really liked it, but he came back again and he said he felt like he was a part of things, that he kind of was folded into the process, which is, and folded into the program, which is what you want to see. You want to see these guys starting to feel like they're a part of things. They, they take ownership in the program, that it becomes a, we won, we played great. That is a good sign for Oregon State. Cooper Jensen is going to, eventually, uh, my prediction, have some big-time Pac-12 offers. I, th- I think it's very possible that Washington comes calling. I think it's possible that USC, UCLA, the Arizona schools come calling. He's going to have some Pac-12 options. And after that visit, he said, I'm locked into Oregon State. I feel really good about it. He's really feeling like he's a part of the the family. He's a part of the tradition. Those are really good signs. Also an interesting aspect of that, he visited Oregon State with a teammate, Trey Lechner, who's not rated. He's he's an athlete in the class of 2023. He's completely unrated. His film speaks to a mid to high three-star prospect. I really like Trey Lechner. I really like Trey Lechner. Uh, was not at all surprised. In fact, in the last podcast, I said I think he was a candidate to get an offer. And sure enough, he got his first Pac-12 offer on his visit. Was very excited about it. The duo would like to play together, but it is not a must 
Trey Lechner wants to go through the recruiting process on his own. It's interesting. He's a wide receiver slash safety at the high school level, actually projects as more of an outside linebacker at the collegiate level. And I really like him. I Again, this is a player that I really think is is very talented and certainly is going to have lots of Pac-12 interests, lots of Pac-12 offers by the time it's all said and done. Isaiah Carlson, four-star linebacker in the class of 2023. He had a very good visit. He really enjoyed himself. That's always good to see. Rashid Williams, the four-star wide receiver in the class of 2023, He is a 24-7 sports composite four-star wide receiver. For folks who don't know, we go over this quite a bit, but it is worth going over because it can be confusing. 24-7 sports has their own rankings. They also have a composite ranking, and that is an average ranking on Rivals, ESPN, and 24-7. They're all weighed equally. Those three are averaged out, and you get your ranking. Oregon State has not gotten a composite four-star prospect since Isaiah Hodgins back in 2017. They've gotten a couple of guys who are four-star prospects on one or two recruiting sites. Melvin Jordan in this recruiting cycle, the number seven, I believe, inside linebacker in the country. Now he was as high as I think six, and I think he dropped down to seven in rivals recent rankings. Dylan Lopez is a four-star center Uh, prospect committed to Oregon State in the class of 2022. Dylan Lopez is a four-star on ESPN, but he's a three-star on 24-7 sports and a three-star on Rivals. Why am I mentioning that? Because Rasheed Williams is a composite four-star prospect. So he would be a get that Oregon State hasn't reached that level in five years. So it's a big-time talent. He was on his third visit. He brought his parents along. And part of the reason Rasheed Williams is very close to this Oregon State staff is they gave him his first offer. And he he described that scene to me, even this week, as being very, very emotional, that experience that he was a freshman. He thought he was a good football player. He thought he had a bright future. But you can feel that all you want. But until you start getting validation from college football, you don't really know. And as a freshman, you don't necessarily even have the validation of high school varsity football coaches at that point. And... The way this works is, you know, you're not allowed to make direct contact in the sense that that colleges can't call the recruit, but they can call the coach of the recruit. So they called and they were able to get him on the phone, totally legal. Again, you go through the the high school coach and and there are certain rules and regulations, but you're allowed to do it as long as you go through the high school coach or you go through uh, the proper channel. So Oregon State did that. Uh, Kefensi Heinsohn spoke to... Rashid Williams and offered him a scholarship and and he said they were my first offer. They were the first people that believed in me. It meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to my parents. And because of that, Oregon State's really going to be in the mix for as long as my recruitment goes. He's interested in Cal. He's interested in Stanford. He's interested in Mississippi State. I do think Stanford probably has the inside track with him. Stanford's just a tough beat. You can you can beat them on the football field. You can beat them in terms of what you offer the prospect. Uh, in terms of football stuff. But at the end of the day, Stanford has the trump card in the Pac-12 when it comes to academics. And if you're a high academic student, there is no better spot for academics than Stanford. And that and that's just kind of indisputable. They offer something that nobody else does when it comes to academics. Rasheed Williams, a high academic football player. I do think Stanford's going to be the team to beat there, but Oregon State certainly did enough to impress him, certainly did enough to excite him, and certainly did enough to keep him in the fold as somebody that is strongly considering the Beavers. And 
just generally speaking to all these prospects this week, the consensus is that the Oregon State visits are going really well. And it was rainy. It was really rainy. It could have been an experience that guys were like, I, I was wet and and tired. <laughs> and in the past, sometimes you'd get, I was bored. That's not the case anymore. Not only are they winning games, not only did they win a, an important game and a big game in front of a major recruiting audience, but also they hosted a great visit that a lot of the guys came away from saying, I think more highly of Oregon State than I did before the visit. And I know that's kind of, uh, even to the Oregon State coaching staff, a little bit of a, of a catch-22 compliment. You want kids to be more excited than when they left, but also you're worried that when they say that, that means they had low expectations coming in, meaning they had preconceived negative notions about what Oregon State is. If if kids say, it's exactly what I expected, you maybe feel like you didn't blow them away, but at least they don't have negative connotations of, of what it means to be at Oregon State University. And, and that is a battle this Oregon State coaching staff has to fight. I've had a chance to talk to them generally after the last recruiting cycle or maybe even two recruiting cycles ago. COVID has me all messed up. And that was one of the things I don't have COVID. I'm saying <laughs> COVID messes up time just like it does for everybody else. How long ago was that? Three months? No, it was 18 months ago. Oh my God. Uh, Oregon State staff has talked about that, that, that people assume that Oregon State isn't very nice because they've been a lower tier recruiter and people assume they don't have great facilities. It wasn't that long ago, a couple of years ago, 24 seven sports rated Oregon state's facilities, number 25 in the nation. They've got really nice facilities, but the assumption is that Oregon state really trails most of the PAC 12 and facilities. That's not true. The assumption is that Oregon State in a lot of ways trails the rest of the Pac-12 in terms of offerings. And again, that's not true. So you love to hear the visit was way better than I expected. The downside of that is what were you expecting? And how big an uphill battle generally are we fighting if when we get these kids on campus, they're so blown away because they never anticipated we looked like this? You want it to be a happy medium. You want kids to be really impressed with what you're offering, but also say, I knew coming in it would be nice. It was even nicer than that. And that is something that this Oregon State staff has had to try to fight against. The perception of what Oregon State is, the perception of what Oregon State offers, and the perception of what Oregon State looks like from inside. So it's good to see that across the board, I was going to say 90%, but to be honest, it was 100% of the kids I talked to said Oregon State was nicer than I expected. It was wonderful. It was a great visit. They're going to be in the mix for me for a long time. That is a positive sign. That's a positive sign. I'm not throwing cold water on that. That is awesome. Home run, home run weekend for them. Beat Utah, hosted one of their best visit lists ever. And across the board, everyone had a great time. That's wonderful. Going forward, the long-term battle for Oregon State is going to be planting the seed that Oregon State has top 25 facilities, that Oregon State is a mid to high tier Pac-12 program in terms of what they offer, in terms of how they can win, in terms of what you can accomplish when you're at Oregon State University. That seed has to be planted before the visit. And that's kind of the next hurdle for Oregon State, but a very positive weekend. If you're an Oregon State fan, don't worry that you haven't gotten a commitment. A lot of this was road work for 2023, laying the foundation for 2023. And I believe there's a very strong foundation for that class of 2023. We'll take a quick break. 
get to the Oregon visitor list. Kingsley Suamataia uh, announces the five-star offensive lineman, true freshman at Oregon, announces he's entering the transfer portal. What is that about? We'll talk about that and more after break. The Oregon Ducks have had a little bit of a quiet fall on the recruiting trail. They did a lot of their recruiting early. They've had a top 10 class for a couple of months now. And and really the big splash recently has been the addition of Harrison Taggart and Devin Jackson, the the four-star linebackers, and then the two Jaleels, Jaleel Tucker and Jaleel Florence, arguably the best cornerback duo in America. Those are big names, huge names, and and they're big-time talents. But we haven't seen the constant flow of five-star visitors. We haven't seen the constant flow of elite four-star prospects on campus. And again, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, for the most part, Oregon is almost done with 2022. They have 22 commitments in this class. So they're close to being done. We're talking about putting the finishing touches on this class. And this really is the weekend where all of that comes into focus. Who are the main targets for Oregon? Who are some of the main prospects they're looking at? This weekend is the perfect way to gauge where this Oregon staff is right now in terms of completing this class of 2022. Some of the names we've talked about for a while, some of them are a little bit newer in terms of mutual interest. They're names you've heard, but they're not necessarily names where the interest has been mutual for a long time, but things are changing. So this visitor list, really telling, really interesting. And it starts with a guy we've talked about really since, I mean, it's been about a year now that we've talked about. I made a prediction months ago that he'd choose Oregon. I still feel that way. It's Cyrus Moss. He's the number 27 overall prospect in the country. The number four edge rusher already taken visits or has scheduled official visits to Alabama, Florida, Notre Dame. And now this weekend, Oregon, he visited Oregon already. He went to the Saturday Night Live event. There are a lot of predictions, I think 100% of 24-7 predictions are that he will choose Oregon. My prediction was that he would choose Oregon. And this really is an opportunity potentially for Oregon to distance themselves, if not pick up a commitment from Cyrus Moss as the number 27 overall prospect. If signing day were today, he would be a five-star prospect. Remember, 24-7 sports every year makes their five-star cut list 32 because that's how many first-round picks there are in the NFL draft. He's number 27. They do it in sports, in all the sports, or seemingly all the sports. In women's basketball, ESPN makes their five-star cut list either 51 or 52. I think it's 52 on signing day. And as the recruiting cycle goes, maybe we're two years out and the top 11 names have five stars. And then 18 months out, 17 of them have five stars. And then a year out, and you get it. And it trickles down to the point where 52 players are five stars. In 24-7 sports rankings, it goes to 32. Right now, obviously, is number 27. Cyrus Moss would be a five-star prospect. They need an edge rusher. The last time Cyrus Moss visited, he had very high praise for the visit. He loved the visit. And not only that, but he really connected with Kayvon Thibodeau. And he said, I've heard the comps that I would look like him in the future. We're the same build. He's obviously more physically mature because he's older. But in terms of what I would look like in four years, three years, I totally see it and I've heard it, but seeing him in person, I was like, oh, we are the same build and we are the same kind of level of quickness. We do have similar characteristics on the football field and Oregon has really developed him. And he said, the other piece is I really feel like personality wise, I'm a lot like Kayvon and Kayvon has thrived as a, as a grown man off the field at Oregon, not only obviously with some of the 
NIL uh, opportunities, but also in in being his own person, building his own brand, becoming his own man. Oregon has really helped facilitate that for Kayvon, that he has a unique and distinct brand and characteristics that people know. It's not just Kayvon Thibodeau, the football player. People know about his his cryptocurrency stuff. People know about what he stands for and what he's about and all of that, that whole package appealed to Cyrus Moss. Oregon's done a phenomenal job recruiting Cyrus Moss. Again, this is potential for them to kind of put a cap on the Cyrus Moss recruitment. So that is really the biggest name in terms of the name you've heard for a long time. In terms of kind of the upstart name, the name that's fairly new, and it's funny because it's it's a blast from the past to some extent. It's Josh Connerly, the number one offensive tackle in the country, the number eight overall prospect up in Washington. He's a Washington prospect for a long time. Everybody thought it's Washington. It's over. And to be completely honest, if Jimmy Lake and the University of Washington played well this year, I do think it would have been Washington and it would have been fairly easy. I think this was a lay-in opportunity for Jimmy Lake. We've talked about this with Washington the last couple of years. There are a number of prospects that should have been lay-ins or at least pretty easy gets for them. JT Tuomalau in the last recruiting cycle, number one prospect in America. Washington really didn't have a shot. Washington really wasn't a serious contender for him. Emeka Ibuka lives just just outside of Seattle. Five-star wide receiver. He went to Ohio State. G. Scott Jr., elite receiver, went to Ohio State. Sam Heward, his family, his legacy, his family's all there. I believe he has a, his dad or his uncle works at the university. And he chose Washington. He's the only major get of those five-star prospects from Washington. Not only that they've been able to get, but they've even really had a shot at. They had no shot at G. Scott. They had no shot at Emeka Igbuka. They had no shot at JT Tuomalau. And now Josh Connerly, for a long time, people thought it was a lay-in. He's going to Washington. He's close to Washington. He likes Washington. If they do well, he's going there. They've done so poorly that he's had to kind of redefine his recruitment. He visited Michigan recently. He's visiting Oregon this weekend on three sports was the first to report that. Josh Connerly, big time. Big time talent, number eight prospect in the nation. We're talking about a top three or four commitment of all time for Oregon if he commits to Oregon. And you pair Connerly and Kelvin Banks, and that is the number one offensive tackle duo in the country. So there's a lot on the line here with Josh Connerly visiting. Why I say his name is a blast from the past, he visited Oregon early in his career. He was he liked Oregon really early, and then there kind of was this year-long gap where Maybe Oregon had a shot. You know, Oregon was in the mix, but it was really viewed as this kid's going to Washington. I think 100% of the crystal ball predictions on 24-7 sports were Washington. He didn't necessarily seem like he was interested in visiting Oregon again. Uh, that, that kind of that chapter had closed. But with Washington struggling, he's really looking at other options. And when you're looking to stay closer to home and you want to be the, a developed offensive lineman, I mean, Oregon makes a lot of sense, don't they? Panay Sewell in the NFL, the way that Oregon has developed their offensive line, this offensive line group they currently have is probably not their most raw talent group. The younger guys coming up are probably going to be better football players. Jackson Powers Johnson, I know he's he's dealing with some injury stuff. He's a true freshman playing, and there are a number of guys who are you know, projected, at least in the recruiting rankings, to be as good or better than he is. He's more you know right now ready. 
but those guys are projected to be as good as he is in the future. The guys that are playing right now, Dawson Jaramillo is a good football player, but Dawson Jaramillo wasn't this all-world recruit. He was an All-American, and that was a big deal. He was an Under Armour All-American, but his stock dropped down to where he was a three-star prospect by the end. That doesn't mean he's not a good football player. He's worked his tail off and lived up to the hype that began when he was really like a freshman or sophomore in high school. But in general, this group of offensive linemen that are playing right now are not their elite superstar across the board. Five-star, four-star, five-star, four-star, five-star. It, it isn't that group. It's kind of a lesser recruited group with, again, the backups and the third string guys not being quite ready because they're not very old, but being very, very talented behind them. And, it, and you're going to get another layer of that next year with Kelvin Banks. So the future is very bright along the Oregon offensive line. Josh Connerly would certainly go a long way in helping Oregon's cause here. And I I do think Oregon has a very good shot here. I know Michigan hosted him on a visit. He likes Michigan. But Oregon, I think, golden opportunity, just like we mentioned with Cyrus Moss, golden opportunity to close him. I think this is a golden opportunity for Oregon to jump to the forefront of Josh Connerly's recruitment. I think this weekend, we could be looking back on signing day at this weekend and saying, this was the weekend that put the bow on this class. This was the weekend that put a very big, very bright bow on this class with Cyrus Moss and Josh Connerly. Those would be the top two commits in the class. I love T-Mac. I love Kelvin Banks. And I think you could probably make an argument that those four are all kind of clustered together. Connerly'd be the highest rated. I think Moss, T-Mac, and Banks would all be right around each other within like six spots in the 24-7 sports ranking. So potential here for some major headline news for the Oregon Ducks in terms of this recruiting class if this weekend goes well. Keontae Scott, the nation's number one junior college corner, announced he's visiting Oregon this weekend. They made his top 12 about a week ago. Since then, he's picked up an offer from LSU. I like Keontae Scott. Listen, you look at that Oregon secondary and really with the way that football's being played right now, you almost can never have too many corners. There are teams in the NFL who have two good starting corners, and they're probably going to use a first or second round pick on another corner because you can never have too many. You look at the Dolphins, and the Dolphins have really good corners. They have a really good secondary. And they took Javon Holland. And I don't think they regret taking Oregon's Javon Holland in the early second round by any stretch. He's had a great rookie season so far. One of the highest graded uh, defensive backs, one of the highest graded defensive rookies, frankly, in the entire NFL. They're happy to have him. You can never have too many DBs. You look at this Oregon secondary and they've given up a lot of yards. They've played well at times, but they've also struggled at times. And, And if you can add to that, the number one junior college corner in the country, you will certainly take it. And there's a lot of interest in Keontae Scott. He's got a bunch of schools really interested in him, really pursuing him hard. And again, you look at what this could be, what this weekend could be. You could be looking at a weekend where Oregon has the number seven recruiting class in the country coming into the week. And by signing day, if this is a home run weekend and they're able to add Moss, Connerly, and Scott, and you get to 25, and that's your 25, you're doing backflips. You are thrilled because you're adding the number one offensive tackle in the country, one of the top edge rushers in the country, and the number one junior college corner in the country. That is a massive, massive home run to close things out. This weekend is huge. It, it, you know, There are weekends that are bigger in terms of visitor lists, certainly, where there's 20 names, 30 names. In terms of high impact, I'm not sure if you're an Oregon fan. If you could have three prospects more impactful, Oregon can get a plug-and-play starting corner in Keontae Scott. They can replace Kayvon Thibodeau, and 
no one's going to replace Kayvon Thibodeau on the field in terms of, oh, yeah, well, we're losing the number one pick or arguably the number one pick in the NFL draft. Let's just plug in this high school senior and we'll be totally fine. My point is he is kind of the next wave Kayvon. He's supposed to be the next Kayvon Thibodeau. So if you can replace Kayvon with an edge rusher who's another five-star edge rusher, if you can rep- if you can add a plug-and-play starting corner and after Kingsley Suamatahia announces he's transferring, you can plug in Josh Connerly, who's the number one offensive tackle in the country. That kind of solves all the little questions you have about your roster. At least those solve three of the bigger questions you have about your roster. I just, I think this could be a massive weekend and, and beautifully orchestrated by Mario Cristobal and his staff. If, if they're able to close this out, four star defensive end. uh, Najalik Kelly out of Florida. I butchered that, and I apologize to him. Uh, Mr. Kelly out of Florida, the number 79 overall prospect, the number 10 defensive lineman. Florida State, LSU, Miami, and Oregon are all getting visits. He's out of Florida. It can be a tough pull. At the same time, he's one of the top 100 prospects in America. Oregon's done a good job developing uh, pipeline to the south. They've gotten into Missouri and gotten players. Texas isn't really the south. But it is SEC country now because of Texas A&M. They were able to get Kelvin Banks and Under Armour All-American wide receiver Nicholas Anderson. They've done a good job. They've built some inroads. They've gotten a couple players out of Alabama and Georgia. They've done that. Florida would be another pipeline state Oregon could potentially develop. And if you're able to get Mr. Kelly, again, the number 79 overall prospect, number 10 D lineman in the country, that's a huge get. That's a huge get. So we'll see kind of how this weekend plays out. There are other visitors. Those are the four marquee names. And it really is an exciting weekend if if you're an Oregon Duck fan. It's not going to be the best football. You're playing Colorado, potentially without their All-American linebacker. Oregon should win easily. You like to see the offense get in a big groove early, be up by so much that it's Ty Thompson or Jay Butterfield time in the mid-third quarter on. Let those guys run the offense a little bit, gain some experience. That's what you're hoping for. And then you're hoping for a huge recruiting weekend that potentially lands you two or three of these names. Because if you land even two of these names... And let's just say it's the two lesser names. And not that they're not big-time names, but when you've got this list, Cyrus Moss is a future five-star prospect. Josh Connerly is a five-star prospect. So if you land Keontae Scott and Mr. Kelly, you are landing one of the top 10 D linemen in the country and the number one junior college corner in the country. That's if you get two of the four. Now imagine if you can get three of the four or even two of the four and the two are Moss and Connerly. It's just the the potential here is massive in terms of how to finish a a recruiting class. You want to take home run swings at the end. If you're an Oregon team that's ranked in the top 10 in the nation, you want to take some of these home run swings and hope you come up with some really talented players. And it looks like Oregon is going to be able to do just that. At the very least, they are taking swings with a real shot at doing just that. Yes, they've got the two Jaleels, arguably the top, the top corner duo in the nation out of Lincoln High School in San Diego. Yes, they've got Kelvin Banks, the five-star offensive tackle. Yes, they got T-Mac, who might be the best receiver in America. Those are massive pieces. This is a great recruiting class. It's a top-heavy, great recruiting class. The top five or six commits in this class are monsters. If you're able to add to that, Connerly, Scott, Moss, Kelly... Two of the two of the four, three of the four. You're thrilled. You're thrilled. Kingsley Suamataia moves on. 
he five-star recruit. It's disappointing for Oregon fan from the outside, certainly. I, I think this could be a BYU-Utah closer-to-home situation. He wasn't playing right away. And I do think sometimes that in general, and I don't know Kingsley's exact situation, but I do think in general sometimes kids are made the focal point of recruiting classes for a year, every day in contact with the head coach. And then they get to campus and they're the third or fourth guy and they have to work their way up. And it's hard. Kingsley is not the only freshman frustrated with the situation. He's not. I I know that to be true because I have relationships with some of these prospects and I get to know them. And then when they go to college, I'm not interviewing them. None of it's on the record, but I have a relationship with them. So I'm talking to them about football and class and college. So Kingsley's not the only one frustrated. He's the only one that's transferred, and he might end up being the only one that transfers. But it is hard. And the biggest thing I've heard over the last few years with recruiting, particularly in a Mario Cristobal program, is that they do such a great job of being attentive when you're a recruit, talking to you all the time. You know all the coaches. You can contact them at any time, text them at any time, and get a response. That's a wonderful thing. But some of that access goes away once you get on campus because it's real. And you can say, well, that's pretty jaded of those guys. You could potentially feel that way. But think of it from a 17 and 18-year-old perspective. You're recruited. You're told how important you are. You're told how special you are. Oregon, more than any other program in the country, seemingly, uh, is in constant contact. And then you get to campus and it's real-life college football. And you're the fifth-string guy. You're the fourth-string guy. And suddenly you don't have constant access to the head coach. He's not telling you how special you are all the time. In fact, your position coach is telling you you really need to get better or you're not going to play right away. That maybe you need a red shirt. It's hard for some young men to make that adjustment. That's hard to adjust to at 17, 18, 19 years old. It just is. And I think sometimes that reality hits harder at Oregon than other places. Not because Oregon is is particularly mean to their freshmen. They're not. It's because Oregon is so attentive when guys are recruits that when some of that attention goes away, it's hard to deal with. I had a parent uh, a while ago tell me, I used to hear from Mario a couple times a week, once a week, and now I don't get a birthday text. And they weren't mad. They weren't upset. It was just like, wow, things really changed. And I think it's really important to understand in the recruiting process that you're being recruited. They want to make you feel as special as possible. They want you to be in the fold as much as possible. But once your kid is on campus and he's committed and he's going to school and he's practicing every day, Mario's not going to have time to text every parent happy birthday and to connect with every parent who's concerned about what their child's eating or what they're doing. And again, it's not a knock on the parents either. It's just a reality that everyone has to adjust to. And for kids who are hyper-recruited, that reality can be harsher because it's like, man, I thought I was the focal point of the program. No, you got here and you're the third or fourth string guy. And yeah, we think you're going to be great down the line. When Kingsley was recruited, one of the things he loved about Oregon was that they didn't sugarcoat anything. They told him exactly how hard he'd have to work to earn a spot, that nothing was given, that nothing 
that he'd have to earn everything, that nothing would be handed to him. He told me that. That was one of the reasons Oregon stood out above the rest. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's one of the reasons he left, but I am saying in general, I've talked to recruits who've been recruited to Oregon who are still there, who said that reality was really hard at Oregon because they went from being so special to being just another guy. And when you're 18, that's really tough to deal with. Again, it's nothing Oregon is doing wrong. I'm not taking shots at Oregon, but when you're hyper attentive on the recruiting trail, and you offer them the world, and not that you tell them they're going to start from day one, but just they have constant access to the entire coaching staff. When that goes away, it can be hard for an 18-year-old to adjust to. Nothing Oregon's doing wrong. In fact, it has more to do with the fact that Oregon connects with these guys on such a real level that when it gets to business time and focus up and earn a spot, that reality is kind of hard sometimes. I think it's something to pay attention to. I think it's an interesting uh, kind of discussion point. I think it's an interesting thing to look at in general uh, is that feeling like you're the most important person for the future of the program and then going from that to having to earn playing time or even earn any playing time or else you'll redshirt can be a tough reality. That'll do it for this week's show. Thank you for listening to the Recruiting Trail. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. Listen, we're talking three-star prospects, four-star prospects. This weekend for Oregon, we're talking five-star prospects. If we're giving you five-star prospect content, give us a five-star review. Makes me feel good. Makes the Oregonian feel good. Just makes us all feel good. (laughs) Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you.